Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. God is doing in our children, having an experience with God. I heard a man say one time that our colleges have become and our professors have become so liberal that if we send our children into colleges with an intellectual assent to who God is, then intellectuals will change their mind. But if you send them into these colleges with an experience, they can't take that away from them. Can't take that away from them. That is amazing. Thank you to all you children's church workers, children's church pastors. Amen. We're on a great big push right now to invest into the next generation on every level in this church. And God's just blessing it. He's just blessing it. Amen. Grab your Bibles and stand with me this morning. Uh, I told you last week that I was going to uh, preach my convictions and repent. Um, today I'm still in that same vein uh, of the Holy Spirit just changing and transforming me. Um, not so much, I was telling Josh, not so much in my practice as much as my position. And what I mean by that, uh, not changing my Christian habits, but the motives in which I do it. So I want to dive deeper in that today, and uh, today I just got a mushy spirit about me. Y'all ever get them? You know, it's plum sickening. You just get mushy like Russ up here confessing. And... So it's not my heart or my will to, to beat on anybody this morning. Uh, but I do want to take you into my prayer closet and my convictions and and we're going to deal with the, the scripture this morning and, and, and the churches of Revelations. And I just want you to hold it up as a mirror and uh, see if maybe you see a reflection of you in there. And it's going to give you the opportunity to rejoice or repent or wherever the Holy Spirit may lead. Is that fair enough? So in other words, I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. Uh, I'm going somewhere with you. And I know there's some hungry hearts that wants to go there. And I don't know that my theology has changed, but something's changed in me. Is anybody else changing? That's why you got to be careful that you don't hunker down in certain areas and build fortresses. Can I just be real? And judge everybody else that's not in the confines of your fortress. Because you might change. Amen. You, you just might come up a year later saying, oh my God, I got a little higher and saw from a greater perspective, amen. And so that's where I'm at as your pastor, so I feel very vulnerable this morning, but I, I also feel secure enough that I can be vulnerable with my family, and you're not going to leave here judging me, but we're going to encourage one another to grow. So I want to deal with the subject this morning uh, the power of the will. Last week I preached on the power of passion. I want to deal with the power of the will. Uh, uh, and he put up willpower. But I want to deal with willpower from a whole new perspective than I have ever seen it before. Would you go with me this morning? Let's start. I tell you what. 
you got your Bibles, you're ready for a word, let me pray. I'm going to let you be seated, and we're going to go together with some scriptures. Father, we thank you now for your awesome presence that's already been in this place. And now we come to uh, this stage and this service that you have ordained to speak to us from heaven, to allow us to pull our feet up under the tables of the Most High God and divine old manna from another world. So, Father, I just pray, stir up our appetites, quicken our spirits, help me, Holy Spirit, to preach with clarity, and let hearts be open to be able to receive. Anything that would come from me, Father, I pray you'll rebuke it immediately, cast it out, and let nothing but your word and will be done in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Because I was going to skip this portion of these scriptures, uh, but turn with me to the book of John, chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 1. Um, if for some reason you don't have your Bible, he's going to take you through on the scripture because I actually feel like I want to back up and tell you where these series of sermons came from. Amen. How many knows when God asks you a question, it's not an inquisition of information? Because if he had to ask me a question to get an answer, then he wouldn't be God. So if he ever asks me a question, I know it's to get me to searching why he asked me that question. Or actually it's get, to get me to start asking myself this question. So I don't know if you're one of them that believes that God lost his first son in the garden or not. But I just believe he's too much God. That Adam was like a lost child in Walmart that the parents frantically running around saying, where's my kid? I believe when God asked Adam, where are you? It wasn't an inquisition, uh, inquisition of geographical location as much as he wanted Adam to realize where he was. So that's where this series has started and I'm going to back up and take you there with me uh, John chapter number 5, verse number 1 says, And there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep, sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease that he had had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. Somebody say that's a long time. That's a long time to be dysfunctional. 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie... He knew he had been there a long time, and he said unto him, He said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? I thought this had to be the most ridiculous question that Jesus could ever ask. That the man had been there for 38 years, so I was struggling with the text, struggling with it. And I come to the realization that it wasn't about this certain man by a pool. It was about me. It was about you. Amen. Because sometimes it's obvious that we need something. 
but we don't always want it. Oh, God, help me. And that's why we got to be careful about laying hands suddenly on no man. Because I may see that you have a need, and in my mind, you want that need taken care of. But I never stop to think if it's what you want. Can I just work this a little while before I let you go? If it's what you want. But the problem with this is, if you don't ever stop and ask yourself the question, do I wilt? Wilt, somebody say it's about the will. Wilt thou be made whole? And we will fool ourselves to think we want something because we know we really ought to be living at that level. We, we ought not to be dysfunctional, and I ought to be walking like everybody else. Amen. And so we'll even get close to the proximity of where I'm supposed to receive it but never engage in the activity that would produce it. But it gives me comfort if I can say, but I want it. Oh, this is going to be too real this morning. Amen. And I can lie to you, and I can lie to me. And you, 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 you know, saying, I, I, I know I need so Like some, some, some people in here wanting to shave off a few pounds. Can I get a witness? Thank you, Scott. But Jesus will stop and say, do you really want it? Because it's easy to be committed to an idea than to commit to the reality of that idea. And then I can always fix and to. Fixing to lose some weight. Now I'm telling you, I'm fixing. Am, am I preaching already? I'm fixing two. I'm fixing two. I know I ought not look like this. That is not a good place to laugh. You know, I know I'm finna get my health in order. I'm finna, I'm finna do. I'm finna do. I'm finna do. I'm telling you, I'm finna get my, I'm finna get my finances in order. I'm finna quit them Sonic Cokes. I'm finna quit them Sonic Burgers. Amen. I'm finna quit this spontaneous. Amen. Somebody shout, preach, Pastor. Come on, I need a little help. Amen. When in reality, this morning, God is just saying, amen. I know it's obvious you need it. I, I, I know you've been this way a long time. But before we do anything, before we go any further, I just got one question for you. Do you really want to come out of this thing? Yeah, that both sides. Do, do you really want to change? And, and, and you can tell, did I finish my scriptures? Verse number seven, Josh. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. He didn't ask him about a man. He asked him, do you really want to be healed? Is it really your will for change? You can always tell that you really don't want to change when you automatically start blaming somebody else Amen. I, I wouldn't be like this if he wasn't like that. Amen. So, so you can always tell, amen. And when Jesus asks you a question, you're just standing there naked. You know, you're just naked. You can't hide nothing. 
Amen. And he'll get you to thinking, amen, of do you really want it? And that's where I want to go. I want to deal with the will this morning, not what's coming out of your mouth. Not what you've been revolving in your mind for 38 years, 38 weeks, three days. Amen. I want to deal with the will. He said, I don't have anybody. You can always tell you don't really want what you say you want when you blame somebody else because you ain't got it. He said, I don't have nobody. But let me just give you a prayer. I'm just taking y'all into my prayer closet this morning. Amen. You just take what you want, throw the rest behind you. They'll need it. So Jesus ignores the question, uh, the answer, the statement, because it was just a distraction from the true question. And see, that's what we'll do to God. Amen. We'll try to throw it off. When he asks us direct questions, we'll try to distract the question. Is anybody with me this morning? We'll, we'll try to distract the conviction and justify my dysfunction. So Jesus understood it. He understood he didn't say anything. Can I tell you a lot of things that we're saying about the condition we're in, we ain't saying nothing. Because they're not reasons, they're excuses. And it enables me to stay. And God don't reason with excuses. He only reasons with reason. Because where there's a little legitimate reason, he jumps in to bring transformation. But he will not dialogue with me as long as I'm in excuses. He's saying, no, 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 no. I can't hear you. No, I can't see God doing that. So, so he come up with an excuse, and he comes back with, okay, if you, if you really got the will to change, take up your bed. In other words, if, you, if it's really in your heart, you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to quit making excuses, quit waiting on somebody else to change, Quit waiting on the job to get better before I become a giver. Quit waiting on the husband to come better before I start smiling. Quit waiting on the wife to get better before I have some joy. Oh, I would be happy if I wasn't married to a knucklehead. Amen? Huh? Amen. I, I would. I would. It's in me to be happy. This really ain't me. It's him. Oh, my God, this pastor's preaching this morning, amen. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have cussed you out if you hadn't. A, huh? And for you sanctimonious Christians who don't cuss, amen. I wouldn't have been rude to you if you had not been rude to me. I wouldn't have disrespected you if you hadn't have disrespected me. And God's ignoring all this and saying, if you really will to change, somebody say willpower. If it's really in you to change, you're going to co-partner with me on you coming out. Amen. If it's really in you, I'm going to find out. Amen. He said, so take up your bed. And so here's a crippled man. He said, I don't know what, how crippled he is. I know he's born this way, I guess. And all of a sudden, he's co-partnering with what God said. And as a result, praise the Lord, he didn't need no man. He needed God. 
He didn't need an outside source. He had a source within. Oh, I got to move on, but that's a word for somebody in this building. You're going you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna to lay there for 38 years if you keep waiting on an outside source when there's an inner source within you saying, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Take up your bed and walk. Oh, my God, I got hung up there, and I didn't really need to this morning because I got to move on. So I just had to tell you where my conviction is coming from this morning. Amen. And now everything I engage in, I hear that question. Is this really what you want? Amen. I'm, I'm going to preach this morning, but I would venture to say that there's Christians gathered all over the community this morning. And I don't mean to be over-aggressive, so I'm going to cut it in half. And I would venture to say 50% of Christians didn't come to church this morning because they wanted to. Is that too aggressive or too generous? Huh? Somebody just said, he's talking about me. <laughs> we fall all the way here. Uh, uh, Come on now, can I just lay some of my convictions on you? Hmm, I feel something happening. I'm just going to work it a little bit this morning, amen? So this morning before you leave this building, I just need you to let the Holy Spirit ask you the question, will thou be made whole? Is it really in your heart to change? Is it really what you want? Or is it so obvious that everybody knows it's what I need? Next passage of scriptures, Revelations chapter number two, verse number one. That was just the introduction. I hadn't, I, I hadn't preached yet, okay? Revelations 2 and 1. Thank you, Josh. We're going to run through it pretty fast. And unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know your works. This is Jesus talking to his churches. I know your works and your labor and your patience and I know how you cannot bear with them which are evil. I know you have tried them that say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars. I know you have borne, you have carried the load, you have patience, meaning you have endured for my name's sake and you have labored and on top of that you've been faithful in your laboring. You have not fainted. If he'd have stopped right there, the, the Ephesus church would have been shouting. Ain't he a good father, though, that he don't just pick out all the bad, Scott? Ain't, ain't he good like that? That he will give you an attaboy before he kicks your... He'll give you an attaboy, but thank God love don't just stop at an attaboy. It says, but let's work on a few things. Nevertheless, in spite of all your faithfulness and your dedication and your commitment, for my name's sake, not for you, but for my name's sake, he said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. You lost your passion. You left. You abandoned the first love. Now, we are quick to jump to, just stay with me a little bit. We're, we're quick to jump to, First love being the very beginning of my relationship with God. I, I can buy into that because 
relationships can wane, right? Come on, some husbands and wives. They can wane if you don't keep them fueled. I can buy into that. Amen. But the Greek and the Hebrew teaches us that this word first means priority, chiefest of everything I do. So in reality, he's saying, you're still doing all the jingling and the jangling of religiosity, but the priority has been abandoned. It's, it's, it's what moves me, God said. It's what moves me, amen. I don't really need your worship as bad as you need to worship. Are, are you following me this morning, amen? He said, he says, because you're still doing all of this and everybody else would applaud you. And said, man, you're just so committed and you're just so faithful. He said, but I'm having a problem with you because you left that exalted place of relationship and will. Because really, it's not your service I want, it's your will. Because I can get slaves to serve me. I can make slaves serve me without the will, but I didn't design this thing on, on, on service. I designed it on the will, the desire, the passion. And when you lose that, the rest is just a clanging symbol. He said, that's what I'm having a problem with. You've left your first love. So remember, I love this part. Remember from whence thou art fallen. To fall means to go from this level to that level. To fall means to go from an exalted place to a lower place. So when he said you have fallen, he didn't say you have fallen from your works. You haven't fallen from your prayer. You haven't fallen from your Bible reading. You haven't fallen from your uh, uh, church attendance. Amen. He said, but what you've fallen from is the exalted position of your will. Oh, y'all going to have to go. The exalted position of passion. That's what he calls way up here. And we want to be applauded for our duty. Our duty fulfilled. Look at me. I'm here every time the doors is open. Amen. I'm here. I'm committed. I'm going to do my Bible study. I'm going to do my praying. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Amen. And we've called disciples. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my God. Would y'all please just, just bear with your pastor this morning. Amen. Remember from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works, or I'm coming quickly, and I'm going to remove the candlestick out of its place. So today, my goal is to talk about the will. Talk about the will. The will is the highest attribute of the makeup of man. Catch this part. Amen. The will is the highest, I didn't know what to call it, but it's the highest attribute of the makeup of man. In other words, the will is what gives a man dignity. It gives him individuality. I believe the will is God's favorite part of a man. Amen. You think your performance is God's favorite part, so when you don't perform, you think God is mad at you. But, oh my God, but it's not your performance God's pleased with, it's your will behind the performance. That's why you got to be careful sometimes uh, to judge a man by his performance because uh, you don't know what was in his heart. 
and he may have willed the right thing and done the wrong thing. Amen. And while you're judging him for doing the wrong thing, God's looking down and saying, but yeah, I see your heart and you stepped out of my will, but it's not who you are. It's not in your heart. So I don't have a problem forgiving So I just believe the will is God's favorite part, and I believe I can prove it to you by Scripture if you'll just let me uh, meander through this this morning. Matter of fact, I so believe it. I, I believe it was instituted in, in the book of Genesis was, uh, because it was so important to God. It was so, The will of man was so important to God. I feel something coming into this building. Amen. Your will was so important to God that he planted one forbidden tree in the garden to give you the opportunity to utilize your will. You realize if he wouldn't have planted the forbidden tree, you would have never had the opportunity to step into your individuality. You would have never had the ability to walk in dignity you would have never had the privilege to walk in honor, amen. So you would have never had any identity if you would not have had the opportunity to exercise your will. So every day God gives me the opportunity to exercise my will. He's given me the opportunity to express my passion for him. Is anybody in this building this morning? So I believe he, 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 he planted... He planted that, that tree in the garden and gave the man the privilege to operate into this thing called the will. Can I put it this way? If this is a kingdom, if I am a universal kingdom, if I am an individual kingdom, and this is the kingdom of God, but if I'm an individual kingdom, amen, that God is supposed to rule and reign, then my will is the throne room of my kingdom. Amen? Amen? My, my will is the throne room of the kingdom. Amen. Uh, this attribute called the will governs the entire person. Now, I'm going to tweet theology in a way that I've never tweaked it before, so I need you to stay with me. Amen. It's the throne room. Now, I, I need you to get this definition down for will. Will, just out of your... English dictionary from our old English language. The word will is defined desire. I see some of you are taking note. Your will is your desire. I got a few words I want to give you. It's your disposition. It's your desire. It's your disposition. Here's a word that stuck to me. It's your inclinations. Your will is your inner inclination. It's your appetite. I know I got a bunch of them, but just write down the ones that sticks to you like they do me. It's the word appetite. Your will is your passion. Your will is your choice. Your will is your determination. It's an inner determination. Your will is. It's, a, it's an inclination that you have in spite of what you do. Yeah, that's important. Matter of fact, the will is so important that Hebrews says, if you sin willfully. Oh, y'all got to get this. If you sin willfully after you have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no sacrifice for that kind of sin. So, so I think logic tells us if there is a willful sin, then there is an unwillful sin. Oh, y'all can't say nothing. But this is what you deal with every day. 
If there is a willful sin, there is an unwillful sin. Amen. So uh, uh, it, it's when I act, and un, a willful sin is when my sin is coming from my inclination. It's coming from my own propensities. It's coming from who I really am. He said, there's no sacrifice for that sin because, amen, it's the sin of a sinner, not the sin of a saint. Mm, this is going to get deep. Amen. Uh, 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 a willful sin means that sin was in my heart. It was in my mind. I premeditated it. I planned it. I intended it. And if it was in my will, then I had a natural tendency to go that way. But he said, but if, 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 if so if you sin willfully, there ain't no cover for that. There ain't no cover for that. Why? Because it's your identity. It's who you are. You can say, I'm sorry without repenting. And be sorry because I did something I really know I should not have done, but you only done it because you have a natural propensity to do it. It's your natural inclination. It's my disposition. I just covered up my disposition with some religious activity up until this point until finally who I really am exposed itself. So if there is a willful sin, there is an unwillful sin. Amen. And an unwillful sin is when I act outside of my disposition. Some of y'all got to chew on this for a while, but people deal with it every day, and we're going to make it real this morning. Amen. An unwillful sin is when I didn't want to, I didn't intend to, and it's not even who I am. But a certain situation, amen, provoked me to act contrary to who I really am. And you'll know when it's an unwillful sin because when it's an unwillful sin that you blew it, you messed up, you acted contrary to your will, you won't need someone to rebuke you. You won't need a preacher that doesn't double side. You won't need a preacher to tell you you shouldn't have did that. I won't need a sermon preached to me. When I act outside of my will, my own conscience brings conviction into my life. Why? Because I just acted outside who I really am. Oh, am I helping anybody in this place? There is a sin that is unto death. That's what your Bible says. And there is a sin that is not unto death. So an ill-willful sin does not separate me from God, but it brings an unwillful, but it brings conviction in my life. And I don't need an accountability partner to say it. Straighten up, straighten up. Why? Because I've just stepped outside of the character God put in me, and I'm not comfortable living in that sin anymore. No wonder the apostle John wrote, if any man is born of God, he cannot sin. Oh, my God. When you really get born again, we won't be struggling on what sin I can get away with and what sin I can do. Because when it's not who you are, it's not in my will. It's not in my character or disposition. Are you following me? Amen. And I step outside the will of God. It brings conviction all by myself. Amen. If it's a willful sin, you'll hide and do it. 
I'm okay as long as they don't catch me. You know what I found out? I can hide from the preacher, but I can't hide from me. Of course, I am the preacher. How's that work? Did anybody catch that? Did anybody get that? And if we think we're getting away with something behind closed doors, you're only acting out your will. Amen. And what I found out, when spirituality is not my true will, it becomes frustrating to operate outside who I really am. But when I'm really spiritual, it's frustrating when I step outside of my spirituality and start doing things that's not my nature. Oh, we got to turn this thing. God said, this ain't legalism of me trying to make you do something. It's all about the will. It's all about the will. Can y'all relate to me this morning? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just... I'm just being vulnerable this morning. So in reality, what he's trying to say is the will is the true identity of the man in spite of what he does. I need you to get that. The will is the true identity. So you can be religious all day long and then not be in your will, and it's not who you are. This is my great conviction because I've always been big. Ask my kids on commitment. I have a zero tolerance for uncommitted people. I mean, it's always been one of mine. So I put high stakes on, 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 on commitment. And I'm going to show you where he's tweaking my doctrine. Can I? So what we're dealing with is the will is the true identity of the man in spite of what he does. In other words, true character is revealed in the will in spite of his discipline or habits. Let's go deeper in that. Amen. Uh, First Samuel, God reveals this. Samuel went to anoint a king. And he lined up all of David's sons and he got to old Eliab. And Eliab was tall and good looking. I mean, he had broad shoulders, and Samuel looked at him and said, this man has got to be the king. This is the one. And when he did, God spoke to him and said, he said, no, 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 I haven't chosen him. You picked him because of performance. He said, but the problem is, you look at a man's outward appearance, but I'm looking on the heart. And while you're looking at his commitment and thinking he's all that, his heart ain't in it, but there is a little boy out there in the shepherd's field. Nobody knows him. Nobody's seen him. Amen. But while Eliab is up here doing everything y'all can see, and his heart's a mile from me, there's a little boy out there writing psalms, killing devil, killing lions, and ain't nobody even watching me. He's just singing to sheep. He's preaching to the youths. Is anybody in this place? Amen. And so you're looking at performance. I'm looking at the heart. And he ain't got it. We're applauding. We're applauding people because they can jump through the right hoops, say the right hallelujah, do the right thing, and quote the right scripture. And God standing back said, I got a problem with him. Oh, somebody pray for your pastor this morning. Amen. I got a problem with it. Amen. And let's, 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 let's get this down to individuality. Amen. We're applauding our own commitment. And we're praising ourselves. I didn't really want to come this morning, but I'm here. I'm committed. And God's saying, go home, dude. Go home. 
because it ain't your body I want. It's your will and your will. Oh, and your will is far from me. We've misunderstood discipleship. We've called discipleship doing spiritual things against our desire. Boy, somebody ought to tweet that one. That's what discipleship is when I do what I don't want to do in the spirit realm. I'm a disciple. Amen. Can I tell you the spirit don't need discipleship. That's Jesus. What has to be discipled, amen, and killed is that flesh. He's trying to destroy the will. So some of us are sitting here proud this morning, you know. I'm telling you what. Got myself up here this morning. Did my Bible reading yesterday. Devotion. Number two, check. Check. Oh, this is too real, ain't it? Check. Going to work now. God or did. God Almighty, y'all help me this morning. I got or did, amen. And the whole time I was doing it thinking this is unreasonable. Amen. I ain't got time for this. Oh, my God, help me, Holy Spirit. I really ain't got time for this, amen. Are they going to sing that song again? My arms are getting tired. Are they going to worship again? My arms are getting tired. Would they quit this worship stuff and let the preacher preach and I can get to La Bamba before that place fills up? Is anybody listening to me? Oh, God, help me. And we leave here saying, yes, we won. And Jesus said, I got something against you. You did the right thing, but with the wrong heart. You gave me double side. You gave me your mouth, but I want your heart. You gave me your lip service, but I Want your heart. Amen. He said it don't count in my realm. Matter of fact, he said when you bring your offering, amen, you're looking at the amount. I'm looking at your heart. That's why he said you can't just give money up here. He said you got to be a cheerful giver. Don't give of necessity. Well, I'm going to praise him. Preacher said praise him. Does that preacher say stand again? Stand up. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to worship. Everybody clap your hands. Everybody clap your hands. Come on. Everybody clap your hands. Clap your hands. Oh, oh, oh. Next week, I'm going to wear two tootin' pom-poms. Amen. Ooh, get a middle picture of that. Amen. Because that's that's, that's that double shy. Because that's what us preachers have become. Cheerleaders just trying to stow up some emotional fanaticism to get somebody to love the Lord. And God said, away with it. You, you. Oh, my God, it ain't all that I want. Yes, I'm an exuberant, and I'm going to worship. I ain't letting these kids outdo me, amen. I'm going to get with them, and I'm going to go with them. That's not the point. But the point is, God said, it's always been about the will. And he said, you've fallen from that exalted position. And the reason this is important to God, because he knows if he can get at your will, he won't have to chase you. If he can get your will, he won't have to convict you. Did you just hear what I said? He won't have to. Because if I got the right will, I'll convict myself. Hey! Hey! He said, if I can get your will, I won't have to motivate you. Because your will will be an internal will in the middle of the will. Maybe that's what that scripture means, amen. And I'm buying driven. And when you're driven by passion, amen, they can tie you to a whipping post and beat all the skin off your back. And you'll leave declaring he is God. 
We've lost the most important. Y'all going to have to overlook me. I'm going to come unglued in this place. Amen. We've, we've, we've traded passion for commitment. <laughs> and then applauded it. Try that with your wife. Honey, I'm on my way home. I don't really want to come home, but doll, I'm committed. You know what she'd say? But dude, you can go get committed. Oh my God, somebody shout, that's real. That's real. And then I don't know why you're not just happy and bubbling over because I came home to you and I stayed home, amen. And I may have dabbled when I was out there, but my commitment brought me back to you. And then we call that discipline. We call that discipleship. He said, I know your works, but let me tell you, I got a problem with you. I got a problem with you because I ain't no whore. Did y'all see how I emphasize that word? I felt y'all go, <gasps> He said, you can't prostitute my glory. It ain't something you buy from me with a hand clap. Oh, my God. My blessing is not for sale. Amen. And it won't buy your way into the kingdom of heaven because you're dancing. And I'm looking at your heart that's dancing with someone else. Hey, somebody give the Lord a hand. Praise. My God, y'all going to have to pray for your pastor. God won't let go of me. I want to put a, I feel such a heavy something happening in this place. I need my prayer warriors praying. I just, I'm going to put a scripture in context that we always use out of context just for you this morning, okay? You're going to remember one portion of this scripture, and it's the only one you're going to know because it's always taken out of context. Anybody ever heard the scripture, as a man thinketh? Huh? Can anybody finish it for me? Hear that? As a man thinketh in his, so is he. Let's put that in context this morning. And I think I'm doing it out of the Amplified. Josh, I didn't give it to you. Y'all just listen to me, I don't think. Proverbs, it's in Proverbs. I'm not going to tell you where it's at because I don't want you going there on your phones. You just, it's in the Bible though. Well, I can't do that either, y'all. It's in Proverbs 23, 6 through 8. But I'm going to read it from the Amplified. It says, do not eat the bread of a selfish man or desire his delicacies. For he, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. He says to you, eat and drink. Yet his heart's not with you because he's begrudging what it's costing him. The morsel which you have eaten, you will vomit and you will waste your compliments. Me. That reminds me of another scripture. In other words, right now you're praising him for his generosity because all you could see was his actions. Oh, you're saying he's a good man. He's a great man. He just, all, he just brought me right into his house. He put a big meal out to me. Amen. He, he, and, and, and so you're praising for his generosity. But when you find out 
what was really in his heart, it makes you sick at your stomach because of all the praise you gave him, not knowing he was pretending that he actually thought this guy is not worthy of the food I'm giving him. Wait on me, Josh. <laughs> Wait on me. I see you going. It reminds me of what Jesus said about the Laodicean church. When he said, I know your works. You're praising me. You're worshiping me. But in your heart, you're really giving me more than you think I'm worth. You just showed up because you know you're supposed to and you just worshiping because you, you know you're supposed to because I got to put this persona on when in your heart you're grudgingly giving me my praise. You're grudgingly giving me my He said, therefore, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm, and I'm going to. And we're still sitting in churches and we walk out and get in our cars proud of ourselves. Nailed it today. Song with that worship team. <laughs> Fruit, you with me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look what I've done. I, I was committed. I guarantee you can trust me to be back here next Sunday. Be back here next Sunday. Jesus dealt with this situation. Jesus, he wasn't like me. He wasn't scared. <laughs> he was preaching to that religious bunch. Amen. And he called them hypocrites. You know what hypocrite means? That's a theatrical term. It means to take one face off and put another one on. That's really a theatrical term. Well, now it's a bad term for us, and we don't want to be called hypocrite. But a hypocrite in theater was cool. I can play many things. I can put on many different faces. Amen. And he said, he said, the man may act benevolent, but in his heart he's grudgingly giving it to you. He said, I can tell you right now, he ain't going to get credit for what he's given because as a man thinketh in his, that's who he really is. Oh! And then Jesus comes along and he said, what you do get from him, it's going to make you sick and you're going to vomit it out. Amen. I wonder if our best worship services are honoring God or nauseating. I, I, I wonder if our greatest commitment, I wonder if our most powerful commitment is honoring God or nauseating God. Oh, I knew it was going to be quiet. Remember, this ain't for you, it's for me. I'm just letting you in on it. So Jesus spoke up to him and said, you hypocrites, you pretenders. Everybody else thought y'all was holy and bowed when you walked by with your phylacteries and your, your turban and your ephod. You had all the religious jargon on and everybody else kind of gave honor to you and took a back seat. He said, but I tell you, you're honoring me with your lips Oh, my God. You honor me with your lips. He said, with your mouth you do pray, worship me, and you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And the next scripture said, therefore you worship me in. That's where I've been. That's where I've been. That's where I've been that all of a sudden my self-righteous commitment come crashing down. 
it come crashing down. And here's what's funny. I used to be scared to try to preach this stuff because I've never seen it like I've seen it now. Because if you was committed, it's all that mattered. If you was committed, that was all. Well, I tell you what. I don't want to be married to a woman who's committed to me. I want to be married to a woman who's in love with me. Amen. Are you listening to me? I want to spend my life with a woman who has an inner passion. Amen. I don't want one. Amen. Are you listening to me? That I got to drag in the... Don't make me say it. Don't make me say it. Don't make me... You better get in here. That Bible says your body belongs to me. God, this, this is too much. This is too much. Amen. Are, are y'all okay this morning? Amen. God said, no, I want a mutual desire. Amen. That says, I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Not, my God, is it Sunday already? Somebody shout, the power of the will. Run out of time before I run out of sermon. He said, You honor me with your actions, but I'm looking at your heart. And while everybody else thinks you so holy, something nauseating about it. You know what makes him so nauseated? When he paid so much and I give back so little. You know what makes him even more nauseating? When he paid so much and I give back so much, but grudging in my heart. Commitment's not enough for me no more, Scott. Commitment's not enough for me. If there's no passion with it, Christianity cannot be separate from the wheel. Somebody better write that down. Christianity cannot be separate from the wheel. Matter of fact, it cannot exist. I began to think about this, and I said, Lord, I've spent a lifetime harping on my kids, especially in ministry. You be committed or you get out. You be committed or you get out. Amen. I used to run a church with an iron fist. Amen. You do your Bible study and you don't show up to everybody else, you're out. You're out. You're not committed. You're committed to you and your thing. You're not committed to the body. We got people, while I'm on this note, that's serving in this body that's not committed. But I want to step past that. That sometimes we can be totally committed and have no heart for it whatsoever. And I thought, Lord, where does commitment come in? And he began to teach me. The elementary, the element, catch this. My God, I got so much for you. I'm not going to get there. But the elementary characteristics of relationship is commitment. I want to say that again. The elementary characteristics of relationship is commitment. People talk about falling in love, love at first sight. Ain't no such thing as love at first sight. There's attraction at first sight. Because the Bible teaches that love is a fruit, not a root. I'm not going to ask you because you wouldn't be honest, but nobody in this building got saved because they loved Jesus. You didn't. Because you can't love somebody you didn't know. And if you was a sinner, you didn't know Jesus. You got saved for whatever reason. He convicted you. He drawed you. He stirred you. You didn't want to go to hell. I don't know what your reason was. All I do know is you didn't just decide, oh, I'm so in love with Jesus. I just, I just want to serve him the rest of my life. 
No, no, no. You by faith got saved and committed yourself to Christ. And that is the elementary. Are y'all catching it? That is the elementary foundation of a relationship. Amen. My wife is the most beautiful thing that's ever walked on the earth. Can I get a witness? We got a few, babe. Blue hair, blonde eyes, just, I mean, uh, yeah. I'm enamored with her. I just can't even see straight when I think about her. My tongue gets wrapped. But I committed to her before I fell in love with her. See, that's why we don't understand arranged marriages. How can you marry somebody you don't love? Well, in the Bible, that's what the, our, our Christianity is founded on, a uh, arranged marriage. Because they know you can't commit two people together, and commitment, the fruit of commitment is always love. So a lot of you are not doing a lot of ministries because you don't have no love for it. Get committed to it, and you'll fall in love with it. That's another teaching. I've seen it happen. I got testimonies right here. I'm just filling in. There wasn't nobody else to do it. It happened to that boy right there, my son, that man right there. Amen. And now he's pushing it all over states. Now he's got a passion for it. So catch this, and I'm going to have to just leave it with you and try to come back some other time. So the elementary characteristics of relationship is commitment. It's discipleship. You know the promise rings? Do they still do promise rings? When I was in school, we gave him a promise ring. I promise you, babe, this is yours. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Josh just said, I wish I had a picture of you in high school. <laughs> I was 5'11", weighed 130 pounds. Promise says, I'm yours. I'm committed to you and nobody else. And through my commitment, we fell in love with one another. So, so commitment is the foundational element of relationship. But the maturation of that commitment always manifests itself in will, love, passion. Some of us have been saved for years and still living on commitment. And the reason is we never took the commitment serious enough to fall in love with the one we, we were committed to. Or we didn't have good doctrine to where when I would mess up, I beat myself up and took myself out of relationship. Amen. And you beat yourself up and God's looking down saying, why are you beating yourself up? I know you acted a fool, but I seen your heart and your heart wasn't in it. God Almighty, is this good? So the maturation of my relationship when my commitment starts being, or my relationship starts being fueled by passion instead of commitment. When this happens, everything changes. Everything changes. It's then no longer discipline. Did y'all catch this part? I know I'm not screaming, but did you catch? It's no longer a discipline. It's a passion. You can't stop a man like this. 
the reason churches are splitting and we're dealing with unfaithfulness and the lack of commitment in the leader, even in the leadership, much less the body. Amen. Are you listening to me? It's because it's still a discipline for you to read your Bible. It's still a discipline for you to pray. It's still a discipline for you to come to church. Amen. So Sunday is asking a lot. Amen. But Wednesday night, Sunday night, uh, other extracurricular or whatever is really out of the question. Because I'm not driven by something. You know what? I found out when I get a passion for something, everything's cheap. Is that all? Is that all you want for that? My God, I got to have it. Oh, my God, I'm preaching. Is that all? My God, baby, let's get two of them. Let's get two of them just in case that one breaks. Amen. I just can't believe they can make it so good and sell it so cheap. I, amen. Oh, my God. Because when I got a passion for it, it don't matter what it costs me. You mean I got to stay up till 12 o'clock to see that? You, you, you mean I got to get up and get dressed and go and, and be? Is anybody in this building with me? This and you know what? It's all reasonable service when I got a passion for it because you're showing up in the parking lot and I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of God. I was excited about it, amen? <laughs> uh, I don't get mad when I pay my tithes. I don't, uh, I don't get mad when I give in an offer. Are you kidding? Is that all you want? Amen. I'll leave more than that on a tip. I told Patty, I, I'm, a, I'm a workaholic, if you will. I got three jobs. I don't have to have any of them, but doing what I do. It's just who I am and what I am, and I'm just going to stay healthy. I'm just going to work, all right? Amen. But I told Patty, the only problem with it is I don't mind having to write 10% to God, but it bothers me to give 15% to Uncle Sam. Why do we got to give him? I think I just exposed a problem I have. I'm sorry. That don't have nothing to do with the sermon. I'm just trying to help somebody. If you're struggling to be a Christian, it's because something is missing, and it's called zeal, will, passion. And God don't want you struggling. Matter of fact, he told that church, amen. He said, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. Or in other words, a rebuke's finna come out of me. Amen. And then he said, so be zealous and repent because I chasten the people I love. This ain't a message of condemnation. It's God saying, I didn't intend for you to have to work that hard. I didn't intend for you to have to struggle to be in a relationship with me. Amen. What I intended is for you to be in love with me and it be the passion that drives you. He said, he said that's what I intended. But we've identified discipleship as making ourselves do spiritual things that we have no desire for. I'm going to say that again. We've identified discipleship as making ourselves do spiritual things that we have no desire for. We've substituted will for commitment and said, don't worry about not wanting to do it, just do it. Y'all with me this morning, family? Don't worry about not wanting to do it, just do it. God said, that's, that's not Christianity, that's Old Testament. And I got about five minutes, but I got to leave you with actually my text that we didn't read. Josh, do you have Hebrews? I'm going to leave you with this. I need you to change your theology. Discipleship was never designed to make you do spiritual things you have no desire for doing. Discipleship was designed to kill the flesh that was killing the will. Instead of dealing with the flesh, 
and discipling my spirit to do what it don't really want to do. You can't have friends that way. They'll pick up on it. You can't have true friendships if me spending time with you is a problem. Oh, gosh. So much needs to be said. We're not going to last. Number one, I can't stay committed if I don't want to be spending time with you. And number two, you're going to know when I'm with you, I'm really somewhere else. And then we teach in Christianity. That's discipleship. Making myself hang out with God and his people when my heart's 100 miles from here. <laughs> Amen. Don't look down right now, but how many's looked at you watch? My God, he going to preach all day. Are y'all okay this morning? Is he going to preach all day? You'll sit there for two and a half hours and watch LeBron James get his britches beat off of him. <laughs> and can't wait till the next game. Are they still in it? Can't wait till the next game. Because when you got a passion for something, it's all reasonable service. Can you imagine being a Christian and it being reasonable? <laughs> I don't know if that was sarcastic or not. Reasonable, not unreasonable for me to give. Not unreasonable for me to love. Not unreasonable for me to be faithful. Can you imagine how our worship services change if worship was reasonable? It's my reasonable service based on how good he's been to me. Listen to these scriptures. Now, Josh, I forgot to give you the scriptures right above it, but he's talking about the old covenant. I want y'all to take this with you. He's talking about the old covenant. Oh, you got him? Thank that guy. But now, talking about Jesus, he has obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator, the mediator of a what? Somebody shout better. better. Of a better covenant which is established on what? Somebody shout, yoo-hoo. That's us. He's talking about the old covenant. And the new covenant. Look, for if the first covenant had been faultless, there was the first covenant was faulty, and God knew it. He didn't like it, but it was the best he had till he sent his son. If the first covenant would have been okay, if the first way of worship would have been okay, then we would not have been seeking for the second. For finding fault with them, he said, God, prophetic word. Behold, the days come and saith the Lord, I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the old covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Now, that's not talking about strolling I want to show you this. Come up here. That's not talking. I took them by the hand like this. Now, I know it's going to be awkward, but I told you. See, your heart's not in this. All right, let's walk out. Come on, man. I don't feel no love coming from you. Okay, he's swinging now. This scripture, you're so awesome, Carl. He said, he said, this ain't the way I led your fathers out. In the first covenant, they were in bondage, 
And I was trying to get them out. He said, but this is the way I got them out. Be reluctant. You're coming out of bondage whether you want to or not. You're going to pray. You hear me, Colby Schultz? You're going to pray. You're going to serve me. Clap your hands. Say praise the Lord. That's right. You're going to worship. You're going to worship. He said, I'm going to give you a better covenant based upon better promises, not like I did in the Old Testament with your fathers. I just drugged them around, and they did not continue in the covenant. He said, even though I was a husband to them and I was doing my part, it wasn't in their heart. Next scripture. Thank you, Kobe. I just love you. Can I get a kiss? He said, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, after what days? Those days that Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, came down to destroy all this legalism and what? I'm going to put my law into their mind. I'm going to write them in there. Somebody shout willpower, willpower. And I'm going to be a God to them and they're going to be a people. He said, this is the new covenant. I'm going to pay a price to where I'm not dragging you around. That's religiosity. Oh, somebody shout, thank you, Jesus. He said, but I'm going to give you the willpower. It's going to be a passion you have. Somebody shout renew passion. Somebody shout, where's the will? Where's the will? He said, if you're not living on this level, he said, you're living on an old covenant. And we brought an old faulty covenant into a relationship. And I'm going to discipline myself. That ain't the way God intended. You can't be happy like that. I can't be happy like that. Are y'all following me? He said, Isaiah said, for as much as you honor me with your lips and your mouth, but your heart is far from me. And he said, and your fear towards me has been taught by the precepts of man. In other words, I'm going to teach you how to reverence God. I'm going to teach you. This is what you do. This is how you dress. This is how you talk. You're going to reverence. Is anybody in this place? You're going to reverence God. And I'm going to show you everything you're supposed to do. And if you do it properly, that's reverence. And Jesus shows up and says, you're a hypocrite. You're a pretender, he told them. He said, you just just a face. You can take that face off at him because that's not who you are. He said, that reverence has been manufactured by religion. It's a manufactured thing. I can take my cookie cutter reverence and put it on my son and say, that's reverence, boys. Or I can preach this doctrine and say, God never intended for that. He said, I want to write it down in your heart. When I write it down in your heart, I won't have to follow these boys around. Make sure they ain't going to the water. Did I say that? Make sure they're not defaming life church. Why? Because I know their hearts. I know God brings conviction behind closed doors. Matter of fact, I've come to the conclusion now that if I got to beg you to be committed, I don't need you. Mm. Mm. Why? Because it don't matter how committed you are if your heart ain't in it.
and I come, I'm, I'm shutting up. But I've come to the conclusion that's why some people can stand before God and him say, I don't know you. I never knew you. What do you mean you don't know me? I turned the air conditioners on for the people. I was there. Let's go back, look at the attendance report. But see, because God don't recognize the external, he only recognizes the internal. And when he looks, it's blank because you were never there internally. I need somebody praying right now because if this message don't come with conviction, we've just wasted our time. So I begin to pray, God, I can't preach this stuff without someone asking, how do I get my passion back? How, how do I get my will back? I've been praying for the wrong thing. I've been praying for commitment. And my passion waned. How'd I get my, well, old Peter, he was awesome. Two times he said, stir up, rekindle, renew the passion that was in you. Amen. How do you stir something? You got to stick in there and stir up. You got to stir up. Maybe you need to hang out with somebody who has an anointing you, 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 you uh, respect. Amen. Maybe you need to turn the channel to someone who can bring a passion into you. Maybe you need to listen to music that stirs up holy fervor in you again. Amen. I don't know. I don't know how you stir yours up. But if it's a spiritual passion that has to be stirred up, I can't stir spirituality with carnality. So I got to bring something spiritual to stir it up. But then I found a scripture that I closed with this, and I promise that I have quoted all my life, and now it means more than me than anything. Paul said, as you obey me when I'm present, obey me even the more in my absence, and work out your own soul's salvation with fear and trembling. And the next scripture is, for it is God who works in you to stir up your passion and your will. I wish somebody pulled that up in the Passion Translation. Oh, there it is in Amplify. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to do. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating you the what? The longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose. That's what we're leaving with. Quit praying about your commitment because it doesn't matter if your commitment gets better if your heart ain't in it. And start praying, God, it's you that works in me and energizes a will. Isn't that awesome, Scott? He requires of me my heart, but now he's telling me, I'll be the God who stirs up the fire in your heart. Isn't that awesome? Stand with me all over this place. I'm going to give a short altar call this morning. But today your doctrine has been tweaked. And it's been tweaked in a way that it should bring conviction. That I thought me showing up was enough. When God said, you know what? I'm a God who created a new level of Christianity and it was founded on the will. The will. And I never could get the sin thing right. Fruit, I never could get it right. Because I knew the Bible says that if you're born of God, you can't sin. And I found out that's true. I can't. What it actually means is I can't habitually stay in a fallen state. 
when something happened that made me act outside of my character. But because that's not who I am, I now have an inclination to love when I used to have one to hate. It's called Christianity. Anybody else? Has there ever been anybody you got so frustrated you wanted to hate? Boy, y'all will not answer that question. You, you wanted to dislike them, but now you got new propensities because you're taking on the divine nature of God. And you find yourself, I can't even stay in the state of unforgiveness anymore because it's not my inclination. Oh, my God, that's why the scripture says, if any man be in Christ... He's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things come. Can I tell you, it's a sad day, but there's a high majority of people in church buildings with names on the roll that's never been born again. They've never experienced this level of salvation. They've never moved past commitment to relationship. And he said, as a result, as a result, he said, you say you're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. He said, you don't even know you're blind. You're naked. You're miserable. Miserable Christians sitting in church contemplating every week moving to another church. Miserable. Miserable. He said, he said, if you don't repent, I'm going to remove the candlestick. In other words, the light of the revelation of the presence of Christ has been removed, and I don't even know why I'm not happy. I'm just not happy. I'm not comfortable, so it must be the pastor. I'm not happy, I'm not comfortable, when in reality all it is is the candlestick's been removed and we don't realize our dilapidated spiritual sense. Why? Because I was still committed. I was still committed with no heart, no passion. And now I fuss more than I praise. I'm more negative than I am positive. Oh, I'm not preaching to everybody, but I'm talking to somebody who wants to take a relationship from commitment to will. And when we do, we're going to rest. It's not work for me to be married to that good-looking woman. It's not work at all. It's, 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 it's joy. It's a pleasure. He said, that's what Christianity is supposed to look like. There needs to be repenting going on right now. And your pastor's number one. There needs to be some repenting going on right now. Not, not for everybody. Everybody's not going to embrace this. I understand that. But he didn't give me this message. Somebody's here to say, my God, I've seen myself. I've seen myself. And I don't want to go on just fulfilling obligational duty. I want passion restored in me. I want will stirred within me. I want desire stirred up within me. Father, it is you that worketh in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. Amen. I, the altars is always open for you this morning. Maybe you're not even in a right relationship. So today, Christianity has been presented to you in the way it should have been preached forever. That God's not asking for obligational duty. He's just asking you to come and give your heart to Him and let Him use your heart to, full, to fill you with His passion, His zeal and desire. So that, you, that, so that you can with joy share that with somebody else. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.